really just always comes back to while people are able to do their day job, they could also focus on a project and implement it. And that we're, we're being flexible in that regard, too, and understanding that we can't just expect somebody to be available all the time. Uh, we need to make sure that we work around that. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today on this month's episode of Actualizing Success. I'm Carrie Weckelow, our COO, and I am joined today by our senior manager and our treasury and capital markets practice, John Kruger. John specializes in treasury management system implementations and treasury advisory work. John, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here, Carrie. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right in. Obviously, treasury management system implementations require a lot of planning and organization in general. Change is hard, and when we move to fully remote implementations, that required even more communication and coordination. From your experience, what can organizations do to ensure a successful implementation? Yeah, I think the um, the biggest a couple of things here to start out would be just understanding the challenges of a remote workforce. And the two things there would be collaboration and organization of resources. I think those are really important, right? Because when you're talking about a remote workforce, uh, folks could be working across the globe. So we want to make sure that we can get everybody together uh, and also uh, utilize resources from everywhere to um, collaborate. One of the things we do is up front, we try to decide on how we're going to implement. And when we have a, a global company or, or uh, folks that are spread out, is decide if we're going to go full global implementation or full implementation across everybody's region, or do we maybe do a partial uh, regional type approach? And I mean, there's pros and cons to both of those, right? I mean, a full global implementation, the benefits there, you might speed up the implementation uh, but at the same time, it may be more difficult to get everybody together and, and train everybody and, and do everything at the same time. Uh, you definitely might have a bit of a resource constraint there. Whereas if you took the partial approach, and again, this works uh, for different companies, different ways. But if we said the partial approach might be better because now you can start with a smaller region and then even use the folks in that region who have already been trained on the system or whatever it is that you're implementing as internal resources so that you can, they can help each other train internally and they can help others get up to speed. So you're almost kind of stretching your own resources out to the, to the client and allowing them to kind of test their knowledge to help train others. One of the drawbacks to that is that it might take longer, but you're, you're sort of setting yourself up for success, right? I mean, you're not biting off more than you can chew and, and, and you're using internal resources to, to train others. I mean, either way, we'd follow a standard methodology, right? I mean, we would uh, implement it the same way. We would lay a framework uh, for those groups and uh, whether it's partial or full global implementation, uh, we're, we're going to try to go at it the same way. Uh, and just as an example, I mean, I have multiple clients I work with now that do basically all three of these, right? I mean, we have some that are, are well-equipped and they can do a full global. We have others that are doing sort of partial regions, maybe like a US, UK, and then others that are, hey, let's start in the US and then branch out to our other regions. So we can be flexible on our end to really accommodate anything that 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 the, you know the client or the customer would want to do, but there are definitely pros and cons to either and things to consider. Yeah, it's definitely um, sounds like a lot of moving pieces with the remote implementation and then looking at it from a global perspective as well. I guess the good thing about everything people being more open to remote is that it does allow for broader expansion from a, a location perspective as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it's not just about the difficulty of it, right? I think we want to also talk about where it could be a positive thing and that you can yeah. get more people involved. And, and with the tools that we have now, video chats and uh, just email distributions and uh, shared drives and things of that nature, where we can all kind of collaborate wherever we are, different time zones and whatnot. I mean, there's there's absolutely positives to it as well. I think you just want to make sure up front that you're identifying what's best for your company, what's best for your business and the resources that you have uh, before you make that decision on what to do. Yeah, that's a good point. The Mm -hmm. upfront planning, it might take a little bit of extra time, but it's completely worth it to make sure everybody's on the same page for, for the implementation. Definitely. So can you name a few challenges that, that you do see when you are doing a remote workforce implementation versus, you know, in the past when you might've been able to do some of these activities in person? Yeah. Yeah. So um, with this, it's, it's sort of uh, like we were talking about earlier about getting resources together. It's then ensuring that those resources have visibility into what's going on and they can join calls and they can be involved in sessions relating to what it is that you're working on for your project, but also identifying and understanding who the owners are and, and who might be the subject matter experts in certain areas. And, and is that person local? Are they abroad? Are they in, in a certain region that the time zones off from where you are, right? I mean, it's making sure that you can get the subject matter experts and the owners together uh, so that we can talk about the business processes, the workflow, and all the design decisions with the right uh, folks in the, in the room. And, and that just allows us to be more uh, strategic up front, and we can plan better that way to know when we need to kind of get people together and, and, and what we have you know, that might be blocking us from being able to coordinate. And I mean, I've seen it kind of, you know, go in a way where it becomes a little bit of a, of a challenge, right? It's a little frustrating and, and it's just trying to, to, to mitigate that as much as possible. So yeah, I mean, consolidating resources, ensuring visibility, ownership, things like that is super important. And then also having a good project management approach. I think that's really big. I mean, agreeing on how you're going to go about uh, managing those resources and those owners. There's plenty of tools out there. I mean, we have tools that we use. Uh, there's There's online tools. There's Obviously, the Microsoft suite, right? There's things like that that you could use. So really agreeing up front on a tool that you would use that works for everybody. With us at Actualize, I mean, we're, we're pretty flexible, right? We could work with anything really that anybody would want to throw at us. But, um, you know, we, we've helped manage projects through Jira, you know, the, uh, others with Microsoft Project. I mean, there's plenty of different ways that we could do it, but it's really just agreeing on how to go about doing that with the client and then defining those roles and responsibilities and and uh, making sure that people are held accountable for what it is that they're going to own. Those two things, along with upfront identification of uh, complexity around the project and forecasting how long and the timing around when you think things may be able to be implemented and, and do you have the resources to be able to do that? I mean, it really just always comes back to, do we have enough to work with and, and can we get people to to mobilize? Because everybody has their day job too, right? I mean, we, we have to make sure that, you know, while people are able to do their day job. They could also focus on a project and implement it. And that we're, we're being flexible in that regard too, and understanding that we can't just expect somebody to be available all the time. Uh, we need to make sure that we work around that. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because you know, I know how hard it is just to manage everything internally with an actualize, and then you throw different things at you and it is hard to focus on new things. So having empathy for, you know, when somebody's going in and implementing a new treasury management system, that's on top of what they're doing. And then also looking at 
when they're going to go live, even running whatever they were doing in parallel to make sure that the new system's running. So that's a lot of pressure and stress on the client that hopefully we can help mitigate. But it is something to be to think about in the process for sure. Yeah, and and something you mentioned there, which which uh, uh, kind of leads me to another thought is, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with, I mean, the, the resources they're 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 comfortable with doing their day jobs, and part of what we're doing is trying to help them perhaps you know move that to a system or maybe make some changes to uh, what it is that they're doing, obviously for the better. Uh, but we just want to make sure that we're also empathetic of that, right? I mean, that you know we have to make sure that when we translate things. Uh, when it comes to different languages that different systems use and languages that the client might use, acronyms and systems and things like that, that we, you know, stay patient and we stay focused and understand, you know, how we can make those connections and things like process flow diagrams, you know, project roadmaps, uh, setting milestones, you know, to make sure that we give it enough time. We go through their current process to design a better future process. You know, all those things considered, I think it's, it adds to the complexity, but I think it's really important to focus on that because you don't want to have a lack of confidence, you know, to start out where people don't think that you're going to be able to do this for them. It's more so, hey, how can we make this happen? And here's how we're going to do it. Here's all the tools we're going to use. And, you know, we're going to work on this together and be collaborative in our approach. Right. And what just came up for me too, something that we didn't mention is what is that person's role going to look like once you implement the new TMS too, right? So- being upfront about that and like, okay, this is going to help save you time. So you can perhaps focus on more strategic aspects of the business. So I think also explaining the why, why the company decided to make this investment in the treasury management system and how that's going to impact them personally, the benefits it's going to have. So you can get that stakeholder buy-in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that's always on our minds is to try to get the mundane type tasks out of the the daily work and make it more analytical and more this you're actually putting your time to better use by being more being able to investigate more being more analytical than just doing these sort of tasks that a tms could take care of for you i totally agree yeah yeah absolutely well these are definitely very helpful strategies and a smooth implement implementation the other aspect of it which i'm very passionate about is the people management perspective and really looking at it from how we have different people. And there's not one size all on how we communicate uh, with different people, right? So we really have to make sure that we look at each project, each team that we're working with and understand how we communicate with them and making sure that we're staying flexible and really pivoting on different preferences. So, you know, one client might like one way of us to give them status reports or how we do the project management and another company may have a a completely different view, view on that. Some clients need higher touch. Other clients are, you know, can run things more smoothly. I know, John, we were talking about it before of, you know, certain clients, they actually have the the capacity to do the implementation where other clients don't have as many resources and they're really torn between their day job and, and this implementation. So right. I think it's really understanding part of it is, you know, how are you communicating and how do different people show up? And then also being aware of digital communication limitations because in a remote 
implementation, you're not having that face-to-face. I know historically we would like to do the initial design of the system in person so we could have those upfront meetings and really get to know the team members. And that would help with the things that we had to do remotely. Now with us not doing that, you know, we're not getting that same interaction. So John, you mentioned earlier using the video chat feature so you can really see people's body languages, I think is important to add that in, even adding in breakout rooms when you're having meetings. So everybody has more time to connect, I think is important. You're working together to implement this new system that's really going to be beneficial to the company. But how can you also have a personal connection with each person? And I know we don't want to take a ton of time with that, but it is it is important to ask people how they're doing personal and just have a little bit more of a connection outside of work. And I think just in general with communication is being creative and using various strategies to stay connected from phone calls to using those breakout rooms to having icebreakers when you start a meeting, using the video chat and just switching it up a little bit so it's not the same thing over, over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I think a little bit to add to that, just um, from my perspective on like engagement, is when you are going through an implementation and you're training or you're you're trying to show a client or a user how to do something, I think at some point you definitely want to have them drive and have them be the ones that are actually showing you how to do it, because that would then make them focus on you know, being engaged and being involved. Uh, and, and that's now them sort of teaching you how to do it. Right. And that, and that just reinforces everything. And, you know, I think you, it also just gets you more comfortable with speaking with that individual rather than you being more like authoritative and like, here's how you do it. It's like, well, you know, here's how we're going to do it together. Right. It's like an exploratory learning experience where, you know, we may be figuring something out together. Right. And it's more organic and, you know, it's easy to do that in a room with somebody, but, it's it's harder to do remotely. And that's why I think having those, like you mentioned, breakout sessions or video chats and things like that are really those times where you, you not only build a nice rapport and you build some trust, is that you're also taking the opportunity to have the client show you how to do it so that you know what you're doing is actually working. And that's a, that's a great idea. And I know um, that's something we've worked as an organization on is on better training methods. And I think that's a great enhancement to training is having them mirror back to you what they're doing. And then that way, everybody's more confident in, uh, in that. So I love that. And personally, I need to do things hands-on as well. Um, okay. So me just watching somebody, I- I'm not going to learn. And I even internally will be like, you know what, just can you let me drive and and, and just make sure I don't, I don't mess up anything. So right, right. <laughs> great addition. So let's transition to best practices for running a remote uh, treasury management system. I know we have worked really hard on creating best practices. So we have smooth implementations. Could you walk us through that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, typically with uh, implementations, uh, we look at, you know, six different areas that, that we touch on. I mean, the first being the project kickoff. I mean, the purpose of this here is to formally introduce the TMS and the customer implementation team. So whatever it is that you're implementing and whomever is going to be the stakeholders on the client side and also on the consulting side, you know, we just have a kickoff call to introduce ourselves, get to know each other and also review the scope and what's been agreed on in your summary of work. 
so that we're all on the same page and we can ensure that we're all kind of heading in the right direction from the start. Uh, and we also define roles and responsibilities, put together a schedule, a project plan, a loose probably version of it at that point, uh, something that we could at least look at and work off of together. And obviously it might iteratively build from there, but at least have a, a thought in mind, like, hey, I want to do this in six months, nine months, a year, whatever it is, so that you you kind of know that you're, you're both kind of charging for the same uh, time frame. Uh, next step to that would be uh, a blueprint or a uh, sort of proof of concept approach where, you know, we have what we, we have with the scope. We start to then have discussions around current process and understanding what the clients are currently doing. And that allows us to then think about, well, how might we be able to start doing this in the future? Can we replicate? Do we have to make changes? Uh, do we have to kind of find, you know, creative ways to make this work? Uh, but really, it's just us becoming ingrained in the client's process, understanding it and, uh, you know, putting together a document that allows us to replay it back to them to say, you know, here's what I understood from what you had told me. And now here's how we are looking to do it for you in the TMS. Uh, and again, that's that proof of concept approach to making sure that um, everything works. And if it doesn't work from, you know, all angles. We could do things like, you know, fit gap analysis, meaning like what fits and what, what where we need to kind of, you know, fill some holes and, and have some processes in place. Uh, and then that also allows us to put a firmer stake in the ground to say, yeah, I think I can do this in three months, six months, nine months, whatever it is. And that really reaff- reaffirms the uh, the project plan and, and the timing. Uh, and then we get into configuration, right? I mean, I think at that point, we kind of feel comfortable with the, the approach, the plan, how we're going to do things. And then we just start configuring and, um, you know, validating everything that we talked about, whatever it might be, right? If it's bank reporting in a TMS, well, then it's starting to connect to banks and pulling in data, maybe accounting, then it's getting the the AP and the ERP teams involved with the TMS. Uh, if it's payments, then it's getting those folks involved. So it's really just configuring and then starting to get people involved and in understanding who the players are uh, to start getting them, you know, in, involved in, in the process. And, you know, anything that has to kind of change or pivot at that point, you know, we're obviously flexible, you know, not everybody knows what they're getting into, right? So they see something and they're like, oh, that's a nice to have. I like that. And then we start to add things in, or maybe we just kind of pivot away from what we originally planned on. But the whole time we're sort of sitting in the same vehicle driving together, right? And we're, we're going to the same places. We're just, you know, maybe doing different things along the way uh, to make some changes if needed. Uh, and then once we have that in place, we get it validated, we start training. Uh, and this is where that, you know, thought process around, you know, do we Think about, are we going to train folks internally to train others? Uh, you know, are we doing it global? Are we doing it regionally? You know, and, and that's where this kind of comes into play. So we start the training process, we get everybody up to speed as much as possible. And then we do that UAT parallel testing, where we validate then not only the configuration, but also the data that the system is producing. Does that fit with the current data that the client is producing in their current process? And we run parallel for however long is comfortable for, you know, the client at that point, right? I mean, for accounting, it might be a daily process or a monthly process, depending on the type of accounting, you know, cash management and forecasting, typically a daily, perhaps weekly thing. Uh, you know, obviously payments are, you know, when you make the payments, make sure that they're valid and everything. So it's really just comfort from the client side to say, hey, I've done enough of this now. I've tested this. I feel good. I want to start transitioning now to use the TMS rather than my current process. And then finally, it's preparing to go live, right? I mean, it's, it's it's an exciting time. It's a time where everybody can look back and and see, you know, how far they've come and and really, you know, 
say that this is now our system of record moving forward and that we're going to start using the TMS uh, every day, right? So every project, though, uh, is a little different when it comes to go live. And the good thing about some TMSs and how we work is that we can do like partial go lives and we can, you know, kind of get creative with this as well. So uh, it, it's really flexible at this point and, and, and really just based on comfort, right? I think that's the biggest thing. There's no, I mean, obviously we want to work towards milestones. We want to work towards delivering by a certain time, but we want to make sure that everybody is comfortable with what they're doing, with what they're using, with what they're seeing before we go live. So this is where we have that flexibility to say, hey, maybe we give this another week or another month or we can go live with this. You know, we can start to build a plan here for, you know, how we're going to take this now to a production state and, um, you know, really close out the project. So those are the um, just to recap, the six sort of pillars uh, would be the kickoff, the blueprint POC phase configuration training, UAT and parallel testing, and then preparing and, and going live. Uh, and, and that's the framework. I mean, we, we like I was mentioning earlier, if we do a large implementation, a small implementation, global, regional, whatever it might be, this is how we approach it. And um, this is, you know, for us, at least what our firm has been tried and true. So, you know, really useful when it comes to planning, you know, and getting everybody on the same page, and getting everybody excited about the implementation and, and going live. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the one thing, too, is after you go live, there's still work to do to make sure that you're using your TMS in the best way possible. So I know a lot of times we'll even go back to clients that we've implemented their treasury management system and do a health check to say, OK, how how are things working for you? Are you maximizing uh, the system to its highest capacity? Right. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's a good point. And for those that were involved in the original project to do a health check, I mean, that's great, right? Because then we have the resources there. Maybe they spot something that they want to now do because their, you know, current process is great, but they see this other thing that, you know, the TMS can do and they want to know how they can use it. So, uh, but then we have other situations where there's turnover, right? Or or maybe somebody new gets hired or, you know, there's just some folks that kind of move in and out of treasury and, they inherit this system with a guide and they say, well, why does, why is this set up this way? Right. Why am I doing this? You know, so that's where we can come in and do a health check and just evaluate how it was configured, evaluate the setup and try to just make sense to the new individual that might be using the system as to the why behind it and how they can use it going forward. Even if it's just a client that's coming out of the original implementation. Yeah. There's definitely a level of upkeep and maintenance of the system to make sure that it's still operating the way that you would want it to, right? I, I think you know, one of the uh, examples I can give is cash forecasting, right? I mean, if you develop uh, a rule set or, or a bunch of rules to kind of categorize your, your transactions, well, you know, your business changes, things change, you acquire a new company, you have a whole new book of business, you're going to have to make changes to that information in the system, right? So some things are one and done, but you know, there's a there's a good chunk of things in, in, in your system that will need to be maintained based on the ever-changing uh, landscape of your business and, and what you're doing, you know, in, in in your treasury space. So it's just making sure that, you know, the players that were there for the implementation that are going to be maintaining the system, you know, have that confidence, have that motivation to go in there and actually maintain it. And then, you know, if they do get to a point, you know, six months, a year down the road where they're questioning why, or, you know, I, I think it can do this, or there are new people involved, then yeah, we can definitely come in, do a health check and, you know, get things kind of back on track or just adjusted or shifted based on the changing needs of the business. 
Exactly. And I think that's the the thing, you know, to really take away is that, you know, once you do some sort of implementation or change within your organization, whether it be a treasury management system or anything, it's important to reevaluate how it's going and continuously changing with, you know, new regulations that are out there as well, or as you said, turnover or just, you know, more efficiencies as an organization. Um, So really great. Thanks, John, so much for sharing. I think that's about all we have time for. I did want to quickly say that if you have any questions about this episode today, feel free to send myself or John an email. Our email will be in the episode show notes. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizeconsulting.com where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or would like to share your opinions with us, please send us a note at podcast at actualizedconsulting.com. We look forward to hearing from you.